guys enjoyed the message last week from Pastor Rob about resetting our lives. Was that good? That was good. Yeah, I was taking all kind of notes. It was real practical stuff, just about just making steps to kind of dedicate your life to God in the new year and to, to change things. And, you know, we talked about, uh, uh, Pastor Rob talked about like trying to fill out three things that you would like to accomplish instead of just New Year's resolutions, but three specific, attainable, measurable goals that you would have for this coming year. And as I was like thinking about that and praying about that and going, what are the, the goals that I have? Um, it it kind of led into where we're going in this series this week and next week, which is before you can set the priorities and set the goals, you got to know uh, the bigger picture values of what's important to you. Does that, does that sound right? It's like if you uh, say that family is a value in your life, then it's going to cause you to set priorities based on I need to have this many family nights or I need to make sure I'm home for dinner with the family on this time. Or if you say that uh, a God is a priority priority in your life before you can set that that a priority that goal or that resolution you have to understand that my value is that I do want to get closer to God this year so some of you guys are here today because you made that new resolution right I value God I got to get to church I got to make sure I'm there and whatever it is there's different values in life as I was reading online I'm like what are the most important values to to most people in general and a lot of them was family it was God money health job education honesty Maybe it was adventure, a sense of fun. But when you understand what your values are and the vision and the direction you're going in life, then you can start to actually prioritize and make attainable goals. Does that make sense to you guys? See, a couple of years ago, we kind of were working hard at redefining our vision for this church. Where are we going? We don't want to just be a good church that loves God and loves good people. That's a good idea. But we want the God ideas here at this church. We want to know that it's more than a good idea. It's a God idea. So we asked him, God reveal to us, show us, give us a vision statement for our church. What are we all about? What are we shooting for? What's the general direction that we're heading in? And he gave us this, and you've seen it. It's on all of our brochures and all of our emails and stuff. It's Hope Chapel, our vision statement is giving people the best life possible by connecting them to God and to his family and then equipping them to be involved with what he's doing in the world. There's a reason that we kind of came up with that, that we want to be a part of what God's doing rather than just kind of praying and going, hey, God, here's my life. I'd like to have you in this part of my life over here. Here's a little bit of God. Shake a little God over here, right? And over in this part too, uh, yeah, sure, I'll add a little bit of God to this part of my life. You know what that's doing? That's like being selective. What, what God is calling us to do is give our entire lives and lay them down and surrender it all to his plans and purposes for our life because then we're gonna experience the best life possible. It's taking everything that we are and putting it under his control and his blessing. That's when we're gonna get it. Part of... Uh, um, the reason that we, we came up with the wording was this, is, is there's this awesome philosopher that I listened to that says great things. His name's Bono from the group U2. You guys ever heard of him? <laughs> but he, um, he said something at a presidential prayer breakfast. And I got to love Bono because he's honest, because he loves God. He's in the word every single day. But then sometimes as he's talking, he's a rock star and he uses four-letter words and F-bombs and he, he does that and people are like, oh, that's controversial. That's, that's this, that's that. But you know what I think? The guy's real. The guy's raw. He's a Christian. He's a professing Christian. He talks about God. But he's also using the giftings that he has, the money that he has, the influence that he has. He's not just being a rock star. He's going around the world. He's starting all these campaigns to end poverty, to end malaria, to end diseases. He meets with heads of state. He uses the influence 
influence and the gifts that God's given him to do something for the greater good. So whatever you think about this guy, there's some good stuff that's going on in his life. And to be honest, you know what? That's all God requires of us, to be real and to be real with our mistakes and our failures, but to walk and go, but God, I'm trying my best and I'm trying to make a difference in this world. Amen? And so here's Bono, and I hope you love him now, now that I talk to you about him. But anyway, there's this quote he said at the presidential prayer breakfast um, in 2006 that really got to me. And he said, stop asking God to bless what you're doing. Find out what God's doing because it's already blessed. Isn't that a good word? See, the vision for our church is that we would get you involved in the plans of God. And bigger or more defined and more focused than our vision statement are four values that God gave us. We're gonna talk about two of them today and two of them next week. Some of you guys are going, I'm new to this church. And the the question I put as the title of the sermon, what do I expect at Hope Chapel? What is that church all about? If I'm going to tell my friends, what kind of people are these people? What's important to them? Where are they going? Where are they heading? What do they consider most valuable? Because before we can plan any events or ministries or the things that we do around this church, we focus them all through our vision and our values. We want to make sure that we're only holding events and different things that we do, ministry outreaches, starting churches, if they're based on what God has given us as the things we hold most, most dear to our hearts, what's most important to us. So the first one today we're gonna, we're gonna get into is um, connecting to God. And values are important. Roy Disney, the uh, nephew and senior executive at Disney Corporation for years, he's since passed away, but he said this real simple. It's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. So we're gonna talk about a couple of our values this, mo- this morning. Um, yesterday I went to the beach. I took two of my older kids to the beach. The youngest was home with Kanani. They were cleaning house and hanging out and watching Frozen or whatever there. You know, she's all into Frozen and the songs and stuff. But I took the older two kids to the beach. Um, why? Because family is a value to me. So I thought I'm gonna spend some family time with them. We go to the beach, I loaded up the longboards. They were all gonna surf, both of them. And so I was excited about that to surf with my kids. We get to the beach, the waves are tiny. My son paddles out and I'm thinking, ah, it's a small day. My daughter doesn't wanna paddle out. Uh, bummer, because I was hoping to connect with her. But you know what? I'm just gonna get out there because I wanna get in the water too. I wanna go surf little waves on a longboard. It'll be cool. And something in me, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or just God or the fact that I, I value family time, kind of just said, why don't you just hang out on the beach and, and talk with your daughter? Here could be an opportunity for you to connect with her. You connect with your son a lot. Maybe connect with, with Kylie this time. And so I kind of thought, yeah, I don't need to surf. So I'm gonna hang out and talk. And it's hard, right? Teenage girls, anybody got one? It's tricky, right? You ever had one before? It's, it's tough. And so I'm thinking, here's an opportunity. I'm going to try this. So I hung back on the beach and just kind of saw Kai, and we just started talking. And it was so good because she just started just talking about stuff in her world and, and about taking pictures and about art and, you know, music and her friends. And we started talking about camp and she's going to youth camp coming up in a couple of weeks. And we're just having a great time talking. And I'm so blessed because I'm having the time to connect with my daughter, right? And she starts telling me really cool stuff, even about her own faith. She started talking about Jesus and about how her friends, like, I don't know if my friend's a Christian because we never have any good talks about Jesus and stuff. And I'm like, whoa. Because I grew up as a pastor's kid and pastor's kids don't always turn out real good, you know, because they like <laughs> rebel against everything. And I was on the verge of that before. But um, to know that your kids are going to church because they have a walk with Jesus themselves and they're not going because they're forced to go. Man, that, that warmed my heart yesterday to talk to my, my daughter. But see, I could have made the choice to go right out there and go surfing and have a fun time because that's what I want to do. But because I valued family time and trying to connect with my, my daughter, I 
changed my priorities and I sat there. And what I want to tell you guys about today as we talk about values, this first value, connecting to God, is everything that we do as a church has to fall back on these things that we value the most. Everything in your guys' life, the way you set up your, all your decisions are gonna come from what's important to you and what you value the most. And the first and foremost thing that we are committed to at this church and what's important to us is that people would connect to God. That's our very first vision because we're not just a social club. We're not just a great place where people get together and make friends and you, you, it's warm fuzzies. We're not just a religious institution. We are absolutely all about people having a personal encounter and relationship with the living God that loves them. And so we're gonna connect people to God. You know, there's a lot of numbers that I look, like, look at every week as a pastor. After the weekend services, we go to staff meetings on Tuesday and I'm looking at the numbers. How are we doing as a church? How healthy are we? Are we growing? You know, what's going on? But I gotta tell you guys this, the most important number that we look at that means the most to us, you know what it is? It's decisions for Christ. It's how many people connected to God in our services this last weekend. It's gotta be that because all of the, the money and all of the numbers and the seats and all of that, all of the growth's gonna come secondary to the health of the church. And so if we're focused on the health and we're being a church that God's called us to that is connecting people to Jesus, then the growth is gonna follow. So right now we're just in a season of going, we just wanna get healthy, make sure we do what we do, stick to our values. Are people connecting to God at this church? If they're connecting to God, then God's gonna bring the blessing. The Holy Spirit's gonna grow the church, amen? So the more, first most important value to us, and if you're a member of this church is, you gotta know that we're gonna bug you to stay connected to God. And if you're here for the first time, people are gonna go out of their way to make sure that you can find this God of creation that loves you, that died for you, we're going to try hard to connect you. Proverbs 9, verse 10 in the message, it says, this is our foundation. Skilled living, or the best life possible that we're talking about, it gets its start in the fear of God. Insight into life comes from knowing a holy God, that everything revolves around our relationship with God. And here's the reason we're so fired up about connecting people to God, because there's an entire world that's out there that is unconnected to God that they don't know the blessing, they don't know the healing, they don't know the life-transforming power that can change your attitudes, that can change your finances, change your relationships. There's a people out there that, is, that are lost in searching. The Bible, Jesus refers to those that didn't meet him yet as lost. And it's not a, it's not a put down. It's not like, oh, well, what you're saying, I'm not a Christian, so I'm worse than you. I'm, I'm, no, it's not, a, it's not a put down, it's not derogatory. It means that all of us, when we were born into this world, we were lost in the sense. And the sense is that before we met Jesus Christ, we're, we're kind of in darkness. In fact, in fact, it says this in Isaiah 60, verse two. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. In Colossians 1.13, it says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we can never ever forget what it means to be lost. Right? You guys remember where you're at before Jesus, before you had the help of the Holy Spirit, before you found direction and purpose and peace and love and forgiveness in your life? Some of us, we, we can't even remember that. But here's what I want you to think about maybe. Think about what you would do right now dealing with how hard your life is right now. Because I can tell you, even as a Christian, life is still hard, isn't it? Jesus said, hey, you know what? They persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you. Life's gonna be tough, right? But I'm here. <laughs> Praise God, I'm here to walk with you and carry that load with you. I got your back. So yeah, you face that stuff, but I'm on your team now and you got me to rely on, right? In this life, you will have many troubles, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. 
And so we've, we've been found, and it's not like, oh, we were bad before. It's just the fact that we hadn't been found yet, that we hadn't found Jesus yet. He was looking for us. He was waiting for us to find him. And when we found him, this is what a lot of people say when they become Christians. It's like the light just went on. I feel different. I feel lighter. I, God, God is working in my life, and I still got stuff, but I can get through it now because I've got help on my side. That This world is lost and searching, and so we make a priority about connecting people to the source of that light in their lives. Um, the Bible calls Jesus our Savior. And the Greek word for Savior really means a rescuer. It means a preserver of life. What it really is is that it paints a picture of someone lost and drowning at sea, someone else coming along and throwing them a lifeline throwing them a life preserver or a lifeguard jumping in and rescuing someone from drowning. Anybody in here know the name Eddie Aikau? Anybody, how many of you guys know who Eddie Aikau is? Yeah, some of you guys? Okay, how many of you guys are like, I don't really know, but maybe I'll just say I know. No, no if you don't know who he is, guess what? Bonus, you're gonna hear about Jesus today and you're gonna hear about Eddie Aikau, okay? So I wanna read to you guys a little bit about who this guy is and why he relates to what I'm talking about right now. Eddie Aikau was an amazing uh, Hawaiian waterman. He was known for... Um, well, I'll just read it to you. Here's, here's his little bio. Eddie Aikau was the first official lifeguard at Waimea Bay. That in itself is an accomplishment because Waimea Bay gets waves bigger than 20 feet, right? And it's a, it's a treacherous uh, uh, breaking wave on the North Shore. It says, he was the first official lifeguard at Waimea Bay on Oahu's North Shore. At the same time, he developed a reputation as one of the best big wave riders in the world. Partnering with his younger brother and lifeguard, Clyde, the pair never lost a life on their watch. That's something to be proud of right there. But it says, Eddie surfed every major swell to come through the North Shore from 1967 to 1978. He attained a rank of 12th in the world on the early IPS pro surfing rankings. His best contest result was a win in the 1977 Duke Hanamoku Invitational Surfing Championship. In 1978, this is where the story gets interesting, and this is how we know of his, his fame and legend. 1978, Eddie Aikau was among a handful selected to join the cultural expedition of the Polynesian voyaging canoe Hokulea, which set sail from Magic Island, Oahu, bound for Tahiti on March 16, 1978. The Hokulea soon encountered treacherous seas outside the Hawaiian Islands a few miles out, and the canoe actually capsized. After a wild night adrift in the wind and the waves, Aikau set off on his paddleboard on March 17th alone in search of help for his stranded crew members. He was never seen again. They found his surfboard. They found his life best. They never found him. The ensuing search for Aikau was the largest air-sea search in Hawaii history. There's an amazing documentary that's out there right now called Hawaiian, the Eddie Aikau story. But here's what you got to know about Eddie Aikau when I read this story. Here's a guy that was willing to pay the ultimate price because he thought those people that were back there drowning in need of rescue were worth him giving his life for. He swam out on a surfboard looking for land and it was never seen again. But here's what I want us to remember why it's such a value for our church to connect, connect people to God is because Jesus thought we were worth dying for. He knew how badly we were in need of rescue and how lost we were that he would give his very life to come and reach out to connect us to him and his plans for our life. He's our rescuer, our lifeline. Remember what it means to be lost, that I can't imagine dealing with all that I deal with in my own life and not having Jesus to turn to. 
It's me trying to manage my own life and do that cliche that everybody says, life is what you make it. But you know what? That's an actually pretty depressing state of mind to, to be trusting in yourself for all of the success in your life and all of the healing and all this stuff. Because you know what? I'm not strong enough, big enough, cool enough, talented enough or whatever to give myself my own successful life in all areas, especially on into eternity. But here's God that came along, rescued me. I'm not lost anymore, right? I was blind, but now I see, right? I, he has pulled me out of the depths and he's given me help. And let's not forget that every single one of us are eternal beings, every single one of us. It's just a matter of where we spend the remaining eternity, right? Are we gonna be with God face to face rejoicing or are we gonna be in that other place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and eternal separation from this God? Let's never ever lose sight that there is a world out there that is lost and they're searching and they're treading water and they're drowning and things are taking them, circumstances, relationships, job, money, all of that kind of stuff. And they're out there, they don't even know they're lost, right? A lot of us, we didn't even know we were lost until God came, turned on the light and we went, wow, there's something better. So we, we here at Hope Chapel have this value that says God is the solution. Jesus is the rescuer. We are gonna make a big deal about connecting people to God. Amen? Is that good? Here's Psalm 40, verse one to three. I love this. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire and he set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. See, the reason we make such a big deal is that we know only God can save us from our own mistakes, bad decisions, anxieties, problems in life, troubles, fears, worries, doubts, all of the mess that we've got ourselves into. It's only God that can save us from that. And so we're gonna push that in our message and everything that we do here. God is the one that can save you. You need to connect to him. See, it's not the church that can, that can save your soul and that can redeem you and save you and do all that rescuing that, that you're in need of. Not the church that does that. It's not even the Bible that does that. Did you know that? How amazing the inspired word of God is. The Bible in itself is not enough to save your soul. I've talked to many people that decided not to be Christians or people before they became a Christian, they said, I read the Bible cover to cover, front and back, couple times over, didn't do anything for me. You know why the Bible in itself is not enough? Because it's only in the connecting to God in a personal relationship when that Bible begins to come alive and is the inspired word of God from that connection, that relationship with you have. You guys get what I'm saying here? So we at Hope Chapel, we're, not, we're a good church. We love the church. It's not about the church. Oh, Carl's a pretty awesome pastor. No, no, Carl's not that awesome. Carl doesn't have anything except the connection to God that he's trying to give you. That's all I do every week, right? So our first important value is that we would connect people to God. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, which actually is a verse you're gonna hear, a set of verses you're gonna hear a lot around this church. Why? Because it's a good verse. It's a good verse that works in my life and it works in your life. Look at what it says in these verses. It says, Jesus talking, our rescuer talking. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Anybody right now just hearing those words, you can raise your hand and go, amen. I am tired of life. I am burned out. I am sick and tired of religion, right? That's me. I'll tell you that every day. I need this message every day. And here's what Jesus says. Then come to me. Here's the solution. Come to me. Just get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm not gonna lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely 
and lightly. This is our Redeemer, our Rescuer, calling out to us every day. I don't care if you guys have heard this sermon before, like, oh, we're going to do the Vision and Value series again. All right, Pastor Carl, I heard it. I know it already. I got to connect to God. Now, let me tell you something. The verse that I just read, I need to hear that every single day in my life. I don't care how many times I've heard it preach or how many times I read it. You know why? Because the enemy still creeps into my head, probably yours as well. Starts telling you how worthless you are, all the mistakes you've done in your past, the mistake you made yesterday, how God doesn't think you're worthy, all this and that, and all the troubles and all the distractions that this world throws at you, and he tries to bring you down. And I need to hear every day that there's a rescuer that's saying, just come work with me, just come walk with me, just come let me move in your life, I got your back. Just leave all of that stuff behind, lay it down, I got you. I'm going to carry you. You're going to walk in victory and not in defeat. Then you are valuable to me. You are worth dying for. I love you that much. All you got to do is stay connected to me. Amen? And this is the God that we serve, and this is why we keep this message. And here's what we realize, that me as a pastor, you as Christians, when you're trying to share your faith with other people, it's not a sales pitch. It's not, you know, salesmen are like, I'm out to make commission and I'm selling you on this product or whatever. That's salesmen. I'm not a salesman. I'm a spokesman. You know what a spokesman is? I tried the product. The product is good. It works in my life. I just got to tell you about it, right? I'm not getting any commission out of this. It doesn't even matter. All I know, like the blind man said, I don't know about that Jesus guy. All I know, I was blind, but now I can see. And me, Carl Moore, I have tasted the goodness of God. I have accepted the lifeline. I put my pride down and said, yes, God, I'm drowning. I need you every single day. I need to connect with you. You are the only one that can save me and rescue me and pull me out of the pit and the mud and the mire that I'm in. And I need to hear that message every, every single day, don't you? So that's why we say, first priority, people got to stay connected to God. We got to connect people to God. We want you to connect because we want you to know the God that rescued you. So you're going to expect around this church... We're going to try to get you connected to God in our sermons, in the worship that we sing. We're going to use lights and we're going to use loud music and we love all of that, but we're going to do it from a heart that is trying to connect you to this God that loves you. And all of the different programs that we have around here, all the different stuff that we do, even the tithing, the baptism, the, the worship, the mini church, the testimonies we share, the prayer teams, the, the reading the Bible, the communion, the tithing, the salvation prayers, the prayer cards, the foundation class, the Christian books, the authors, the speakers that come in, John Bevere, all of that is with a focus that says the most important thing that we have to offer is a connection to God who loved us and was willing to die on that cross because he thought we needed rescuing. Is that good? So that's our first value here. The second one is pretty similar, is that we would not just connect to God directly, but we would connect to God's family. We would connect to other Christians. Important numbers that I look at are how many mini churches do we have going on in this church? How many small groups where people are connecting? How many activities and events outside of the Sunday morning and weekend services? Because anybody can go to weekend services. Honestly, you can slide in the door late, Listen to the music, the message, and slide out the door early, and you didn't connect to God's family at all. We know that people can, can survive for years doing that. But what I'm most concerned with is who's taking the chance to connect outside of the weekend services, which is the mini church groups, the, the, the sisterhood Saturdays, the men's fraternity, the camps, the activities, the events, the small groups where you're volunteering on the, the media team back there, or you're volunteering uh, ushering, or whatever you do. You're getting involved with God's other kids, because there's a value we put on that. Acts 2, 42 to 47. It's another verse, set of verses you're going to hear a lot around here. Why? Because we believe that this is the original prototype example of what the church should look like as community. Acts 2, 242 says, 
all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple. They went to church. It says they worshiped at the temple each day, but then they met in homes. They got real. They got into each other's lives. They came into, they invaded each other's personal space because there was importance in that. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And it says, because of that, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know what that tells us is that for our faith and our lives to work out the best, we need to be doing life together with other people. Do you guys believe that? It's not enough to go through life and go, well, I'm smart, I'm good, I know God, and I can, I can do my own life on my own. God says, that's actually not good enough. I didn't create you to do that. I was reading um, some articles online. I was looking up the value of, of relationships and community and, and how it's, it's bad for us to be alone, to be loners, to think that we can get through life alone. And I was reading this article, it's really interesting. It says, even eating alone is, a, is bad for your health. When we eat alone, it says it's actually bad for your health. They did these studies and, and they uh, supervised all these people. It says, when you're alone, you eat less vegetables and you make less healthy food choices. How many of you guys would agree about that, right? No one's looking, I'll have 18 Twinkies, right? You know, you're like, yeah, but we do these dumb things, right? It actually says, loneliness and eating alone is actually bad for your health. And I started reading these other articles. Really interesting. There's a, a company in England, a, a campaign, it says the UK-based campaign to end loneliness says this, and this one is almost unbelievable. Loneliness affects overall health as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and is worse for you than other health risk factors like drinking and lack of exercise. Lonely people are more likely to suffer from dementia, depression, and cognitive decline. And I was kind of like, okay, that's a little drastic. Really, lonely people, they're that unhealthy? But it says this, in another article by the Mayo Clinic, said loneliness is considered to be one of the possible factors that cause disorders such as depression, anxiety, suicide, and serious medical problems, including cardiovascular diseases. Also, according to recent studies, the immune system is affected by protracted solitude. All these articles I started reading said, you're not created to go through life alone. Even in the non-Christian sense, just as human beings, we need contact with other people. Then another article talks about the goodness of having good friends. And it says, good friends are good for your health. Friends can help you celebrate good times and provide support during bad times. Friends prevent loneliness and they give you a chance to offer needed companionship too. Friends can also increase your sense of belonging and purpose, boost your happiness, reduce stress, improve your self-worth, help you cope with trauma such as divorce, serious illness, job loss, or the death of a loved one. It says that good friends encourage you to change or to avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits such as excessive drinking or lack of exercise. And it's interesting to me as I read all these articles that this isn't God's world talking about this. This is the scientific world proving just as health and, and, and food and dietary health risk factors, it's saying you're not supposed to be someone that goes through life on your own, that you need other people. In fact, it's basically saying that people need other people. But then I started remembering this. 
I started my new through the year Bible reading plan on my phone, right? And I started back in Genesis and as I'm reading, I came across the part where God created Adam and then God said, hmm, it's not good for man to be alone right? And so he brought about Eve and what God said from the very beginning, science is only now picking up on, right? And saying, it's really bad for you. God knew what he intended for our lives. And we are not to go through life saying, well, I got God. That's good enough. God said, that's good, but you're a family. I created you all differently and you're all going to bless each other in different ways. And your walk with Jesus Christ is made stronger when you do it together. Christianity is a team sport. It's not for us to go at it alone. Christianity says that we need other people. See, the basic human need is that people need people. But I would take it a step further with us as Christians is people need godly people because people need God. Amen? That they need the advice of godly friends and godly accountability and godly, because ultimately you're pointing them to a higher good than humanity. You're pointing them to a perfect God that has a perfect plan for all of our lives. And people need godly people because people need God. So it says that we're called to be a community. So at this church, Christianity is a team sport and we're going to try to get you involved. There's over 60 times in scripture where it talks about the one another's and the each other's, you know, forgive one another, love one another, build each other up, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's a team sport. In fact, who modeled it best to us was the very son of God, Jesus himself. Don't you think he could have come down to this earth and said, I'm the son of God and you guys are all just a bunch of smelly little humans, right? I don't need any of you. I'm going to tell you what's up and I'm the man. But instead, what did he decide to do? He said, hey, where's my boys at? Where's my posse? Where's my 12? Come on, boys, I'm gonna hang out with you. He modeled to us the fact that people need people, that we need to surround ourselves with people, that, that Christianity is a team sport, that we're supposed to be a family. So second value of this church, we're gonna connect you to God's family because there's such a blessing and an opportunity that, that comes with that. Um, we're not just community, we are family. Paul the apostle said in, in Ephesians chapter two, I think it's verse 19. He said, you are God's family, Jews and Gentiles, everybody, anyone that says yes to Jesus, your family, your brothers and sisters, start acting like it. Be real. Do life together, but be real. He takes it a step farther in Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 9 through 16, where he says this to us as Christians. He goes, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That's, I, mean, I don't know how much more clear you can get. He goes, stop being shallow. Stop being the Sunday morning, hey, happy new year, see you later, see you next week. Don't just be shallow, be real. Get into people's lives, let people into your life because there's a blessing that I've designed you guys to live together in community and be family. Stop pretending to love each other. Get real, really love each other, really care for one another. And then he says this, he says, hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Get real, get raw, share openly. Share your, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your failures, your mistakes, and don't ch judge each other when you share that stuff, but lift each other up. Genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. You know, there's another part of scripture that says that we ought to be looking for opportunities to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We should actually be looking for opportunities to bless people, to honor people, to lift people up. Because that's not what the world does. The world's about competition. The world's about, oh, what are you wearing today? Oh, mine's better. 
right? The world's about like, oh, what are you, where are you at? What are you thinking? Oh, I'm one up on you. And we got to be different from the world and not look for the flaws, but look for the good things that God's doing in people's lives and honor them and build them up and encourage them. That's what real family does for one another. And it says, it goes on, it says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, who we know that is, our trustworthy anchor for our souls, Jesus Christ. Rejoice in that confident hope together. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. It says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Are you ready? When people in the body of Christ are hurting and they're down and out and they, they need something, are you looking immediately at yourself and going, I wonder how I could help them? Because I try to be, I'm not perfect, but man, if I see a need and, I'm, and, I'm, and someone's hurting, what can I do? How, how can I help? Or how can I at least resource other members of the body? Because we all have different gifts and different resources. How can we pull them together and look for who's, who needs help, who's got the help that they can give them? And so it says we need to always be eager to practice hospitality. And then here comes the tough verse, a hard, hard pill to swallow here. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Let me tell you, that is a hard one to practice. But you know what? That's what family does. Family will bless and not curse. And there's going to be times when people will persecute you, even in the family of God. There's times that you're not going to get anywhere trying to talk to them because it's just, it's broken. Something's messed up. But as family, you know what you can do? You can still, from a distance, pray for them. Pray blessings. Pray for them to get over their stink attitude or whatever. Or maybe it's you. But there's times when we just have to suck it up and be family and go, I'm mad at them. But you know what? I'm going to pray that God would do something. They're messed up. They're broken. They're hurting. I don't know why we're in this situation. But at least I can pray blessings on them. Amen? That's easy to do, right? You don't even have to get to their face. I'm not telling you to go in there. I'm telling you, at the very least, just begin to pray that God would work in that situation because that's what family does, right? Blood is thicker than water. You don't give up on family. And there may be times in your distance and all of that kind of stuff, but you're praying, God, eventually make it happen. Get us back together. That's what family does. Paul writes in another place that those outside of the family of God would understand and recognize and see that we're followers of Jesus by our love for one another. If we begin to act like family to other people, it says in the, the book of Acts there that the Lord added to their fellowship daily those who were being saved. That means that people on the outside were looking in and they saw something good and they wanted to be a part of that. That our friends and family that we're trying to share Jesus with and talk to about Jesus, maybe they don't want to hear our words. Maybe it's better that you just live it with the family of God and they're going to want what we have. Amen? So we got to live this as a family, Paul's calling us to. And he says... In verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's a heavy one because I know who my true friends are. When I get blessed in life in any way, shape, or form, whether it's financially or God just does a miracle or something happens, the true friends and family are almost more excited about me getting blessed than them getting blessed at all. You know, they come in and they're just so happy. They're more excited for you than you're happy for yourself. That's how I know who my true friends are because they join in that happiness with me. And the, the world wants to say, oh, what? You got that new car? Oh, where's mine? Right? We like see someone else get blessed and we're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And yeah, we're happy for you. But really, we're just like, oh, they don't deserve it. Oh, God, why'd you give it to them and not me? You know, that they don't deserve it. We're competitive by nature. But the family of God says, when you're happy, man, that makes me happy because I love you and God loves you and we, we have this bond. And on the other side of it, we're called to weep with those who weep. I can't tell you, I wouldn't be where I am as a Christian, as a man, getting through the hard stuff that I've been through in life if it wasn't for the family of God that sometimes just comes and sits with me and cries with me 
and just texts me scriptures and pushes me back to God. And sometimes they don't even give me that advice, but it's when you're down and out and you're going through loss or hurt or pain and someone just comes alongside and they cry with you. Oh, that means a lot to me. And Paul is saying, be that way as a family of God. The value of this church is that we'd get real. And you're not going to find everybody out there, but you get into a small group of a mini church or a few people that you're not just, oh, we go to church together. You're sharing barbecues together. You're babysitting each other's kids together. You're pooling your resources when, I've heard this in a mini church, someone's loved one dies on the mainland and those people don't have the money to get home to go be with the family at the funeral. The mini church comes together, pools their money, and they send that person. You're going because we care about you. We're grieving with you. See, that's what family is supposed to be about. That's what Paul is getting at here in Romans is be family, live in harmony with, with each other in verse 16. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Let me tell you, we strive at Hope Chapel to provide a family of God that will do all these things to you. But I gotta, I gotta address this because this is very real. There is times and there have been times when some of us have been let down by the church family by the family of God. Maybe it's at this church. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was our staff. Maybe it was our ministries. Maybe it was from another church or whatever. And you've been let down. You've been hurt and you're bummed and you're going, oh, you're preaching that, but yeah, you guys don't always do it. Let me tell you, I'm the first one to admit we are not perfect at that. In fact, there's no perfect church out there. Why? Because church is made up of people and people are flawed. That's why we have church because we need Jesus. We need help, right? But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to commit to you this. I'm going to try hard to make this a, a family of God. I'm going to try my best. And if I've ever done anything to hurt you or this church has ever fallen short in this area, that you went to an event and you didn't feel welcomed or whatever, can I tell you this from the bottom of my heart? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to be some egotistical pastor that thinks everybody should just do whatever they say. I'm sure I, I probably have let you down or this church has in some way, shape, or form or some other church in the body. But as a representative of all of, all of those situations, can I just tell you, that's not our heart and our intent. And I'm sorry if that has ever happened. That is not our intent. We want you to experience family and family at its finest. And we're not there. We know we're not perfect. Tell you this though, it's one of our four values. It means a lot to us that we're striving to be. So I want to ask you this then if you have ever been hurt, don't let some hurt that the family did to you or the, the, the body of Christ has done to you, don't let that keep you from being a part of the family of God. Because as family members, we're always going to step on toes and hurt each other and, and press buttons, and we may not even mean to. But don't let that be a, a, a time for you to say, well, then I'm done with the family of God. No, God has so much more in store for you. And he's probably got a really good lesson in the fact that you've been hurt, and there might be a reconciliation that needs to happen that's actually going to strengthen your life and build character in you. And we need to hold out for the family concept that Paul is talking about. We at Hope Chapel, we want to be family. There's things about family that you got to recognize. Family tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I got lots of friends that tell me what I want to hear. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. It's hard, you know, when some people encourage you and, you know, this and that. She goes, but my real friends just tell me what I look like, you know. And they tell you how you're acting and they call you on your words. And, and, you know, there's times when they tell you stuff, people tell me stuff and I'm bummed. I'm mad at them. Oh, why'd you tell me that? Oh, I go home, grumble. I give it to God. I pray. And then I go, oh, dang it. They're right. Ah. And then you know what I do? I got to come back. And I got to humble myself and go, thanks for being a real friend. 
Thank you that you have the guts to risk the relationship by talking to me plainly and telling me what I need to hear instead of just what I want to hear. That's what family does. So expect that that's going to happen around here because we want to be real with one another. Real family gets involved because they care. Some people are like, I don't want these people in my business and nobody needs to know this stuff. But you know what? People want to be involved because they want to help you fix what's wrong in your life. People don't want you to be resentful and bitter all of your days. They're trying to get involved and say, hey, how can we pray for you? How can we make this thing right? How can we reconnect to God and to the family? Because that's the best life possible. We're not going to let you stay in your, your down, you know, doldrums. We're going to come in there and we're going to get involved. So, so know that that's what this church is all about, that family honors and helps people. Family shares joy and pain. Family doesn't give up on me. Thank you, God, for the people in my life that have not given up on me when I've made mistakes and done stupid things. Thank you, God, for your family that, that believed in me. And the last thing about family is that the, the amazing thing about God's family is different from the world and the friends and family in the world is that God's family always, always points you back to God. And the world may tell you stuff and they may tell you, oh, you're, not, you're doing a bad thing, you're going through hard times. You just need a night out with the boys. Toss back a few, you'll feel better. Well, that, that's great, that's temporary, but you know what that is? That's, that's artificial gratification. I want the long-term, the entire, the biggest, the best that, that God has for me in my life. And my Christian family is gonna say, look, we don't even have any advice for you. We're just gonna point you back to God because God's head of the household. He's the dad, he sets the rules. He's got the plans for your life. And I can count on my family of believers, Christians, to always point me back to God. It's not about personal opinions here at Hope Chapel. What does God think for your life? Let's push one another back to, to God's purposes. Many churches, one of those ways that we think it's really good. But bottom line is, get into relationships with people outside of just the Sunday service. We gotta do life together. We need that, that source of commitment and growing in our faith together. None of us is designed to be a Lone Ranger Christian. We all need the entire team together so that our faith can be built up. So we're gonna expect that you're gonna get connected to God's family. We're gonna try our hardest to connect you. We're gonna come and invite you to our mini churches. We're gonna invite you to all of the events and the activities we went to. I showed up at the women's evening in December that night. I know it's for only women, but I showed up anyway. And that was awesome. And what I saw was all of these crafts and food and all this crazy stuff. And I went to drop my wife off so she could shop and whatever. But I went and I went, this is awesome. This is the family of God connecting and making friendships and building things. And, and I'm where I am today because God has put me in a good family, because I've had people all along, all the years of my life. I'm not a product of a good man with a good relationship with God. It's been a group effort. It's been teamwork, and all of these people have built into my life. All of us, you gotta recognize that you're a result of team effort, the family of God, all pouring in, praying for one another. We're here because it's family. I, um, I took my son thrift store shopping the other day. He's going to the youth camp that's coming up in two weeks. And um, he's really excited. It's his first big youth camp, junior high and high school together. And he's shopping and, and he's, he's like, oh, one, one theme night is like uh, crazy thrift store clothes. I'm like, okay, let's get crazy. Let me introduce you to the world of the 70s with really big lapels, right? And he's like, oh, dad, what is this made of? I'm like, that son is polyester. It's fun. Get ready for it. And so we buy him some plaid pants and big lapels and all this. And he's got his cool outfit for camp. He's all excited. He's, he's buying its pajama night one night. So he's got this onesie that zips all the way up. And he's like this little, I don't know what he is. It looks weird, but he's all excited about it. He's going to youth camp. And we start talking about all the pranks that you can pull on other kids at youth camp. And, you know, all the different stuff and how fun it is. But you know what? I am so stoked. My heart is actually really warmed to the fact that both my kids are excited about going to youth camp. More 
more than all of the crazy games with the saran wrapped fish to your head and you know the, all of that crazy stuff and the costumes. Because what I know is my kids are gonna build lifelong friendships with God's family, with kids who are like them, their age. They're gonna grow in their faith together and they're gonna have friends for life in the family of God. How do I know that to be true? Because I'm a result of that. Because I went to those camps when I was young. This church provides ways for us to connect with God's family. And Pastor Tom that I work with now every single day, we've known each other since we were 14-year-old little scrubs, you know, on the body boards every day out there because this church made it a priority and a value to connect God's family to God's family. Is that good? People need God, but, but people need people, but people need godly people because people need God. So two of our values you heard today, I hope you're on board. I hope you're like, well, I don't like that. I'm out of this church. These are the values I hope you're excited to realize this is who we are as Hope Chapel. This is what you can expect from us and we can expect from you is it's all about God first and foremost, but we need each other as a family. Is that good? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, we, we love you and we thank you for who you are and the fact that you actually thought that we were worth dying for, that we were worth rescuing. And just like Eddie Aikau paddled out into the, to the huge sea, into the storm and all of that he did because he thought that those people, that crew that was left behind, that they were in need of rescue and they were in need of help and he loved them enough to give his life. Well, Jesus, you did that for us and we thank you for that. We thank you that you reached out and connected to us and that we are found now. We were once lost and now we're found. I pray, Father God, that we would make effort every day, especially in this new year, to connect with you. And Lord, as we get connected, that we connect other people to you. And as we take full advantage of the connection of the family of God and how much love and blessing and accountability and just is sharing life together and growing together in the Lord, all that, that comes from that, Lord, that we'd be blessed and that we would go out of our way to connect other people into this family that we call the family of God that we call in the local church, Hope Chapel, Kanyoi Bay. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us this year. We'd start this year off right knowing what our vision is and what our values are. And we'd stand on those and we'd filter every decision we make through those values as this year progresses. Jesus Christ, you alone are our cornerstone and we stand upon you. And if you're someone here today that is looking to make a connection with God for the first time, or maybe it's even making a connection because you've been unconnected for a long time. Maybe it's been like years ago and you thought you were connected at one time, but the way your life has gone is you've kind of walked away from that connection with God and you know that it's time to come back. Maybe you're not even sure if it was a real connection in the, the first place. But if you are in that boat right now that I'm talking about and you're saying, I, I need to make a change, it's a new year, it's time to turn over a new leaf, it's a new season for me, I want God and I want all that he has for me. And I realize that it's not about religion, it's just about getting close to Jesus and letting him work with me and walk with me and show me how to live my life. And as I surrender more things to him, the more influence he's gonna have and blessings available in my life. And if that's you here today and maybe it's your first time connecting or like I said, you're coming back after a long time, I wanna pray with you. I think it's vitally important that you hear a message like this and that you do something about it. And if, if you've never really connected or it's been a while, I wanna pray with you right now. And what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray the words out loud. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I'm gonna ask that you would just pray with me in your heart of hearts. And I know sometimes it's easy to get moved in emotion and to pray stuff out loud and that might be scary to do right now. So I'm not gonna ask you to pray it out loud. I'm gonna ask you this to declare this in your heart as you're wanting to connect with God and become a Christian here today. After service, I expect that you are gonna go tell people, tell the people you came with, hey, I prayed that prayer. I wanna, I wanna know God, I wanna connect with him more and I'm sure those people will help you out or people in our church would love to help you. 
But right now I want you to just connect with your heart to God's heart. And so I'm gonna pray with you, but I do wanna know one thing. I wanna know who I get the privilege and opportunity to pray with here. So I'm gonna count to three in a minute here and I'm gonna ask that you would raise your hand when I count to three, just to let me know that we're praying together. People seated around you have their eyes closed and their heads bowed, but I want you to have at least told me so I can be blessed and know and privileged to pray with you as I lead you in this prayer to connect you with God. So on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask that you raise your hand and then we pray together and God's gonna begin a new work in your life starting now. So here we go, one, two, three. If that's you, could you just lift your hand, hold them up till I see you. I see one person here, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Thank you, Father God, for those hands, unreal. So at least seven, eight, someone else over here, unreal. Thank you, bless. If that was you, put your hand down. I just want you to pray this with me in your heart. God, I'm here today. Bottom line, I need you. I want you. I want to connect with you. I want all that you have available for me. I want to be rescued. I'm tired of living life, controlling life, managing life on my own. It's hard, God. It's hard. I need you. I need your family. I need people to help me out. So God, I believe that you are the foundation. So right now I'm telling you, I want you. I will follow you. I'm going to change my life, Lord, to go according to your plans for my life, not my own anymore. I believe your son Jesus came down to this earth 2,000 years ago, became a man, walked and taught us how to connect to you. He went to the cross to pay the price for our sin, which is nothing more than us missing the mark, the mark and the standard of what it is to have relationship with you. Lord, we've lived apart from you. We've, we've run our own lives and it's time that we get in alignment with you and your purposes for us. I believe that Jesus paid the price for those sins for me. And I believe that he rose again on the third day to conquer that sin, to conquer death itself, to overcome that, to give me freedom from all of the junk and the baggage and bondage in my life. Lord, I freely receive that as I believe it. And from here on out, I will live it. I will walk that. So Lord, I'm telling you right now, I want all that you have for me. But I promise to get connected to you as I read, as I pray, as I go to church and get connected to your family. Lord, I need the help. I can't do it on my own. Please help me. God, I'm yours from this day forward. As I learn to grow in you more, Lord, you're gonna reveal yourself to me. I can't wait to see the changes. Thank you for, for, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for reaching out a lifeline and rescuing me from drowning in this world. I love you and I thank you. And in Jesus' mighty name, the church said, amen. Amen. Can we praise God to those people that prayed with us this morning?